I'm Janice Dean. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Martha McCallum, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, June 24th, 2021. I'm Trey Yingst. A new variant of COVID-19 is threatening to slow progress in reopening the global economy. The Delta variant poses a threat because it's more contagious, maybe up to 60% more contagious, and it's probably going to cause a bump in cases at some point in the south late summer when that's their season, and in the late fall and winter where vaccination rates have been lower than the rest of the country. This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. The Delta variant of coronavirus was first discovered in India, but it's now spread around the world. With some vaccinated people getting sick from the variant, there are concerns of a new wave of infections in certain areas. Experts are reminding the public not to panic, but to remain vigilant. There's really two Americas right now. For more on this story, this is Dr. Marty McCary of Johns Hopkins University. An America for those who are immune, that is those who've been vaccinated or had the infection and have natural immunity. If you're immune, you should feel good and live a normal life without restrictions. If you're not immune, that is you haven't been vaccinated and you haven't had the infection, you're still susceptible. And a couple important things to note. One is the Delta variant poses a threat because it's more contagious, maybe up to 60% more contagious. And so it's going to circulate and is circulating more among younger people because they're less likely to be immune. And it's probably going to cause a bump in cases at some point in the south, in the Sun Belt, in the late summer when that's their season, and in the late fall and winter in some other parts of the country where vaccination rates have been lower than the rest of the country. In terms of the level of contagiousness and what people can expect from this variant. Is this something that largely the the general population needs to be afraid of? Is it something that threatens to overwhelm U.S. medical systems? Or do, do the medical community at large understand this enough to combat it and fight it? It's well understood. And a study out of Oxford University this week showed that vaccinated immunity or natural immunity is greater than 90% effective in preventing serious illness from the Delta variant. So again, it's behaving like the other variants, except, and we've had hundreds of variants, none of which have proven to be more deadly or dangerous, just a little more contagious in some circumstances. So because this is the most contagious of the variants that we know of, and it's about 20 to 25% of the new cases in the US right now, 45% in the Midwest, by the way, it means that we're going to see a bump in cases in younger people. Now, in those younger people, the case fatality rate is low. It's like seasonal flu. So we're going to see some more cases, but it doesn't necessarily pose a public health threat. And one of the big differences now from in the past is you can't have super spreading events. You just simply can't have the virus jump around a room like it could because eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 adults in that room have immunity. What could go wrong in the coming months We saw a lot of trial and error in the early days of COVID-19. Doctors basically doing everything they could to treat patients who were arriving at their hospitals, but little was known about the virus and, and ways to treat it. A lot more information is out there now. We've been able to see how countries have been successful and how countries have been unsuccessful in their mitigation efforts. What could go wrong in the United States when it comes to this new variant that's spreading? Well, I think it's always important for us to show some degree of humility around this virus because 
something could happen that's not yet anticipated. But we've had hundreds of variants and we have now well understood the trajectory of the infection. I think what we're going to see actually is a turn towards much better news in the United States because oral medications are going to become mature. Those trials are finishing up and some of them like molnipravir, which has found in, been found in phase two trials to really eradicate the infection in a five-day oral medication course. Hopefully that data is going to be supported in the phase three trial and come to market. We're going to have more tools, um, but at the same time, if somebody is high risk, they've got risk factors like obesity, they've not had the infection, and they're not vaccinated. Those are the people right now I think we need to be worried about, but not from a public health standpoint. They don't pose a public health threat. They pose an individual threat to themselves. What's the biggest misconception right now about coronavirus? Well, I think one of the misconceptions is that we're still in a state of emergency. I mean, I went for ice cream with some friends, and when I asked for a sample of the vanilla ice cream, they said, through a plexiglass thing, they said, we're not doing samples because of COVID. And it's like, you know, I can go without the ice cream, but airports look like ghost towns in the businesses. Uh, restaurants, you know, are, are on the brink of collapse or starving. This is an overblown risk among the immune because the number of daily COVID cases that we have now is about one twentieth the number of daily flu cases in a mild flu season. That is, we have about five to 15,000 daily COVID cases a day in the U.S. The vast majority are asymptomatic, right? These are picked up during screening that are re it's required. We've got to stop testing those who are immune. We should not be testing anyone with immunity unless they have symptoms. And that's the CDC guideline, by the way. So as long as we're testing folks in perpetuity, we can make this thing go forever. The PCR test can detect as few as one virus particle in your nose, even though it can't make you sick or you can't spread it. So I think people have a distorted perception of risk. It's not zero, but it's probably ranks number five or six in infectious diseases at large in the community posing a risk. You've been listening to Dr. Marty McCary of Johns Hopkins University. We'll be right back. You're the author of a book called The Price We Pay, What Broke American Healthcare and How to Fix It. When you see the past year and a half, what stands out in your mind about the American healthcare system and some of the areas that need fixed? Groupthink among the medical establishment, an inability to pose uh, different points of view as we used to have in a civil conversation, big tech censoring a lot of that. That's not healthy for science, and it's not good for us to put our faith in stock in one human being, that being Dr. Fauci. He's a nice man. I respect him for a lot of things, but... I don't really blame him as much as I blame Meet the Press and CNN incessantly running one opinion. There were multiple opinions in the medical community and still are on a lot of issues. Uh, but we really have kind of learned to worship one point of view. And I think the biggest lesson is that we've got to have a healthcare system that's resilient and can pivot quickly. Our, our system couldn't do that. The NIH could not pivot a dime of their $40 billion of research to basic clinical research to ask, answer the questions everybody was asking, like how does it spread and when are you most contagious? Why did it take six to eight months to answer those simple questions? How do you cut the red tape from the perspective of the medical community? Obviously, there's a lot of regulation around medicine, some of it good, some of it bad, according to doctors we've spoken with throughout the pandemic. But from your perspective, how do you cut the red tape and go about this in a way that is logical, but also safe for the patient 
and for communities across the country. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you think about what we did with mRNA vaccines, by the way, that technology has been around since the 1990s. I mean, if we start putting our mind to it and focus and do things like we did with warp speed to other diseases, we should have an mRNA vaccine for HIV right now and some types of cancer like melanoma and treat a lot of things like Alzheimer's in the same way we went after this thing. And I think, unfortunately, we only think about the therapeutic, the vaccine approach. And the reality is if we put our minds to it, we could identify the causes of Alzheimer's in a way that we can prevent and modify lifestyle. We have a system that's entirely based on kind of pharma's, you know, interest. And they've kind of brainwashed the scientific community to think, hey, here's a problem. Let's get a pill to, to solve it. A lot of our problems like type 2 diabetes are curable just by changing what we eat, recognizing that food is medicine. And so we've got to start talking about school lunches as much as we talk about bariatric gastric bypass surgery in kids. And we've got to start treating diabetes with more cooking classes than just throwing pills at people. We have the most medicated generation in the history of the world. We've got to start recognizing that it's not just pharma solutions, it's also food solutions. And by the way, pharma is driving the narrative on boosters, telling everyone they need it. We don't know that. As a matter of fact, many people think we don't in the scientific community, and your immunity is lifelong without any need for future boosters. I had a different last question for you, but I really want to ask you about the phrase food is medicine that stands out to me as something that is a mindset shift that could be really beneficial to people. I'm not talking about the frame of reference, looking at coronavirus, but just general health. Talk to me about the role that food plays in our health and for people who are worried about getting sick from any disease or illness, how does diet play into that? You know, when we talk about health in 50 years, we're going to be talking about your inflammatory state. Does your body have a high level of inflammation or medium or low? That's how we're going to describe it. And guess what? Certain foods change your inflammatory state, processed foods, things with added sugar. And we know that now. It's just we haven't really put this into practice. We're starting to appreciate that the microbiome drives a lot of things. That is the bacteria that live in our GI system that we've ignored and treated badly for a long time. You know, we throw antibiotics down there for no good reason without good indications. And it's just like TNT blowing up this uh, bacteria. We see overgrowth syndromes. We see a lot of inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. These are modern day problems. These are self-inflicted wounds and things that we can address. And these are the issues I go into in the book, The Price We Pay, because if you think about it, it plays into COVID. 78% of hospitalizations for COVID were in people overweight, something we couldn't really talk about publicly because of the political correctness, right? It was fat shaming. But the reality is that's the real reason why we had one of the higher case fatality rates in the country. Uh, it, it's not really as much the reasons that people point to politically. Really appreciate you taking the time today. Obviously, this, uh, this conversation has a lot of buzz right now, given the fact that the variant is spreading in different parts of the world. And people want to know what they should know about it and how they should approach their overall health. Dr. Marty McCary joining us today on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition podcast. Sir, thank you very much. Good to be with you. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.